It's Carney Ann coming to you live from my kitchen again, where I do all my best work, except for cooking. Um, so um, still to this day, even with the home office, this is where I like to do my work. So um, this is where you'll find me most of the time if I'm not in my office at, at the university. But I wanted to share with you something that I shared with my law students as we closed out this semester, which I was very sad was ending. I had such an amazing group of students and I absolutely adored them. And I wanted to leave them with 20 things that um, have been game changing for my life, just in terms of interpersonal relationships, personal success, professional satisfaction, you know, it runs the gamut. It had nothing to do with substantive practice of law, but everything to do with the practice of being happy. And so I am doing a little virtual admin calendar. If you follow me over on LinkedIn, you'll see I'm doing one a day um, over the next 20 days as we lead up to the Christmas and Hanukkah holidays. But um, I thought that it would be fun for me to do all 20 um, right here just in one swoop. Um, and so that is what we're going to do. So let's get, as my son would say on his videos that he wants to post on YouTube, let's get right into it. Um, okay. So number one, when you're communicating with somebody, um, or when you're interacting with somebody, or if you're disappointed by somebody, let your default position be, they're doing the best they can. We never know what is truly going on in someone's life, in their past, what's in their world. It's, it's just the kind and compassionate thing, the thing that's going to help you avoid sort of a spiral out of control of negative assumptions, to let your default be not, oh my God, this person is trying to be an unmitigated asshole. Let your assumption be before you respond, this person is doing the very best that they can right now. This is the best that they can. Um, let that be your guide in how you interact. So much of our life, the quality of our life is dictated by the quality of our communications with other people. And, and obviously, communications we have with ourselves, let that not be forgotten either. But um, but just, just pause. For me, do I 100% know that everybody's always doing the best they can? No, of course not. But I just know that my life is so much better when that is my default position before I choose how to respond to somebody. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, and you've heard me talk about this before if you've seen any of my content, life is happening for you, not to you. Okay, this is, this is a perspective that always helps me look for the empowering meaning, the important lesson in any situation that's profoundly challenging, unfair, frustrating, upsetting in any way. It keeps me in a, like operating on a higher level, looking for that positive lesson that I can take moving forward. Um, and there's, there, there's another lesson here that's sort of a corollary to this, but just, just everything on a macro level, on a micro level, it really, really profoundly helps me to keep in mind that life is happening for me, not to me. I'm not a victim. Um, I'm getting a lot of 
lessons about what works and what doesn't work. And the more lessons we get about what doesn't work, the better decisions, the more decisive, the better judgment we can exercise going forward. Life is happening for you, not to you. Okay. Um, in number three, when you have a, another situation that really irks you, um, doesn't sit with you well, ask yourself, what else could this possibly mean? You know, especially this is also really helpful in, in, in communicating with other people. Um, I have had situation, you know, I, I mean, I have a litigator background and there's a reason that I, that I leaned into litigation in my twenties. It's because like my personality, I was very comfortable with conflict and, um, and you know, is it necessary for us to have, to have like really, really zealous advocates in the legal system? Of course it is. However, in communicating with anybody, um, it's important not to, to create unnecessary conflict where we can have more productive solution oriented communication. And one of the things that has been really helpful to me is asking myself in any situation, what else could this possibly mean? Like, is there another perspective that I haven't considered yet? What else could this mean? It doesn't, you know, am I assuming that am I, what level of assumption am I putting on a situation? Am I assuming that somebody's being a jerk for no reason and then I'm reacting out of anger or out of a sense of injustice or unfairness? Or is there something else that I, some information I maybe don't have that would um, help guide me in making a better decision about how to interact going forward or respond? Um, so that is just a constant replay loop in my, in my mind. What else could this mean? It has helped avoid so much unnecessary conflict. I've, you know, I've had people, when anybody gets snappy with me, my first question to myself is, what else could this mean? This could mean this person had a bad day. This could mean that this person just broke up with their boyfriend. This could mean that this person just got fired from their job. This could mean that this person... Um, you know, had a really upsetting situation happen and they just, this is the first opportunity they've had to vent and they're doing it in an unhealthy way and they're projecting it at me. I'm not going to respond in anger ever. Um, so that is number three. Um, number four is doing the right thing always wins in the end. There may be people who have very short term, um, gains, from cutting corners, putting the short-term sale over the long-term relationship and service to others. There may be, it may look on the outside like somebody who lacks integrity and is just slick and quick is winning, but, but trust and believe that, you know, life is a long game. We're not in it for the, the quick, the quick turnaround in the long game. That is life doing the right thing always 100% of the time will win. It is always the right thing. Make no mistake about that. Um, five is you will never regret being kind to somebody who's unkind to you or who seems to, you know, seemingly you're being kinder than they actually deserve. You will never regret that. Um, just numerous instances, um, where I have, um, and this comes back to like 
acting out of, you know, rational thought rather than emotion. Um, but people who are unkind are deeply troubled. People who are, you know, toxic, and I'm not saying you shouldn't create really healthy boundaries around that and, and distance yourself from toxic people. However, people who are unkind, people who would consume your social media content, take the time to do that and then post something negative or mean or critical. That's the kind of person who needs our empathy, compassion, quick prayer, and, and move it along without engaging um, in a negative way with somebody like that. People only hurt people seek to, to drag other people down by throwing stones at them. It's really a hundred percent true a hundred percent of the time. So being kind to unkind people is an indication of your own healthy, emotional well-being and perspective and capacity to, um, you know, operate in a way that really is, is, you know, I mean, it's, it's good for, for everyone, but it's also in a way like by being that selfless, it's, it's a selfish thing too, because it, it doesn't drag you into something or get you caught up in something. You can, you can go about the business of your life in a way that is best for you um, and not inhibited by unnecessary toxicity or drama. So be kind to unkind people. Um, all right. Okay. Number six, you can have, this is a little more tough love. You can have results or you can have excuses. You can't have both. So this is just a quick reminder to my, to my students about that. Like it, it's just, it's just the bottom line. We can't simultaneously maintain our excuses while we achieve results. We've got to let go of the excuses and move forward into accountability and into achieving, um, achieving what we want to do, um, without the excuses. So excuses always lose. Um, all right. Number seven, and this is a tricky one. This is one that it took me quite a while to, to really, really embrace in a big way. And that's that certainty and, you know, faith in ourselves comes before the success. If you wait till you have a body of success in order to believe in yourself, that's, it's just not going to, you're going to be waiting forever. Um, I have this conversation with my business partners all the time because anybody who is an entrepreneur, anybody who has a business necessarily experiences the word no, um, they, you know, or, you know, being ghosted or ignored and the wrong mindset assumes, takes that personally, whatever, um, just gets, gets caught up in that and maybe makes a wrong assumption that, oh, this just isn't for me. Well, the analogy I gave to my students is that, you know, I didn't learn how to walk on my first try. All right. But just cause I fell down, like my parents weren't like, oh, I guess Carnian's just not going to be a walker. Like, no, we, we have a sense of certainty. This is going to happen. There's going to be some stumbles. And you have to find that deep belief in yourself. And this is where, you know, and I'm not, this isn't part of my list, but like visualization of goal achievement can be extremely powerful because our brains don't distinguish between um, the real and the imaginary, the fantasy and the reality. And so um, that can be really helpful in terms of 
getting to a place of being able to embrace faith and certainty in yourself um, as you pursue something that you want to achieve. So the certainty comes before the success, not the other way around. Um, see, um, everything in the world is getting commoditized. Um, and the only thing like 10 years from now, and this is why you've seen me post about LinkedIn and like the importance of building a professional reputation on LinkedIn. I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care if you're the number one person at a company or you're the number a hundred person at a company, whatever it might be like, you know, hands up if personal reputation is important to you, that's everyone. Right. And in 10 years from now, that's all, that's all we're going to have is our personal reputation. And you better believe that in, you know, circa 2030, when voice technology and, um, you know, like we don't even have a, a there, there may be some technology that is absolutely the daily, you know, the daily necessity in our lives that we haven't even thought about that's not been invented yet. So we need to be thinking like forward thinking here. I mean, this thing right here, if you told me in 1995 that, you know, I'd be running a global business from a phone that also operates as a computer that's more powerful than the computer that Ronald Reagan had when he was president of the United States, I would have laughed hysterically, but here we are, right? Like it's our lifeline. Um, so that is, uh, let's see. So, so the importance of building brand. So that's building your reputation and part of building a solid reputation is adding value to people. So social media is an opportunity to value channel. It's an opportunity for us to share with people in our field, share content freely, you know, whether you're, an attorney, whether you're a real estate agent, we shouldn't always just be trying to sell people. We should be adding value. That's how we build brand. Brand is just another word for reputation. So think about that. If you're, if this is a little bit of a, if you have curiosity about this, you're like, you know, I really want to build brands. I really want to build a solid professional reputation, even if I'm unsure about what profession I want to be in, or if I want to change direction at all. Um, just, just inbox me and I'll, I'll help you with this one because I'm actually helping some people with, um, building up their LinkedIn presence right now. And, um, it's, uh, it's a very exciting time to use that platform to, um, build professional brands. Okay. So, um, the next one, this is number nine, I believe. It takes two willing participants for conflict to continue. Whenever there is conflict between two people, it's because both people are willing to, they're, they're both contributing to, to feeding that fire. Okay. So this is something that, and you will be amazed at how quickly somebody who is trying to engage in a conflict, like how quickly that fire fizzles when you don't take the bait, when you don't engage when you don't return with the snarky comment, um, I have had a lot of practice with this. And this is, you know, just, just keeping in mind this realization. First of all, it keeps me accountable for my own behavior where I know I can't complain about, um, you know, having um, some sort of disagreement with, you know, 
my ex-husband if um, I'm also feeding that with being snarky or ridiculous. Um, everybody is responsible for the role that they play in the communications back and forth. And I choose to, um, not participate in conflict. So, um, and consequently things are a lot more pleasant. (laughs) Amazing how that works. Um, okay. So number 10. When you are setting out on any particular, if you have a meeting with somebody, if you have a, um, if you are pursuing, thinking about a, you know, changing careers or pursuing some sort of graduate study or going out for a fun night with friends, whatever, what is your objective? You know, for, you know, with your friends, it may be as simple as I just, I want to have fun. Um, or I want to catch up with so-and-so around what's going on with their, you know, their daughter who just went off to college or whatever it might be. But what is your objective? And this is, I mean, I think it's particularly key in a professional setting um, so that we can stay focused and not, and, and, and this kind of goes back to like time management too. If we always know what our primary objective is, we can probably turn a lot of those hour long meetings into like 15 minute meetings. So, um, cause I think that when we lack direction, when we lack a really clear understanding of like, what is our primary objective? That's where we can really, that can suck a lot of unnecessary time. Um, all right. So, okay. Number 11, the ROI on complaining is zero. There is no return on investment for complaining. Um, I, you know, and this gets into like excuses and all of that. So that comes back to, you know, you can have excuses or results, but not both. Complaining is never, there's literally, it's 0% of the time. Is it a good use of your time or your energy? So that's when we can lean into the, what else could this mean? That's when we can lean into what's my objective here and then reverse engineer what you want your conduct or behavior, your words to be, but there's no ROI on complaining. There just isn't. So, um, okay. Be less judgmental with others and with yourself. And this, you know, this is like, all of these are related. You guys, you'll see, like, they're just kind of interwoven, but this does get back to, assuming that people are doing the best that they can and recognizing that we don't know everything about everything and we don't know everything about everybody. Um, and we, when we default to assuming that people are doing the best that they can, um, and we ask ourselves, what else could this mean? Um, and we get less judgmental over other people then we can be a little less judgmental about ourselves. I mean, I think, when I talk about the quality of our communications is largely indicative, like our quality of life is dictated largely by the quality of our communications. That starts with our communications with ourselves. And we can't stop being judgmental of ourselves, of beating ourselves up if we're so comfortable doing it to other people. Okay. And I know that this one is, it may not be super apparent on the surface. And you'd be like, oh no, I don't, I don't have, I'm not judging myself. I'd be surprised if all of us are not on some level um, and that we all don't have some room for improvement with the communications we have with ourselves. So um, be mindful of that. Um, 
Okay. The next one. People are so like, I love, I love is, you know, I'm being sarcastic here. How people complain. They want to blame social media for like toxicity and creating social media is neutral. Social media is not a problem. Um, social media is merely like a magnifying glass for how people we all are. You know, if we're positive, upbeat, healthy people, that's going to come through on social media. If we're negative, toxic complainers, then you'll see those people are all over the place and they get more visible. And when they engage, our social media feeds feed us what we engage with. It feeds us what it's showing that we want to see that we participate in. If you're participating in conflict, you're going to get more of that shit in your feed. So social media is not a problem. It's just a value channel. It's just a neutral platform. And we, how we use it dictates, you know, what value it has to us. But you will know, like, if you've, if you've not read about this or seen this change yet, but Instagram is removing likes, which is phenomenal because when we stop caring about the paths on the back, then we can create content that truly has value without playing to the likes and the pats on the back. And that's when we stop, when we can start being authentic and be ourselves. Morning, Anne. When we, when we can be ourselves and put out content that's truly authentic without caring about likes, we can stop being bothered by criticism. The unlock on being totally unbothered by criticism and being worried like, oh God, how is this going to be received? Is to stop caring about if people like it or not. You know, don't be constantly worried about checking back a lot. Like, should I take that down if there's not enough likes? No, it just be yourself. Put content out that feels right and authentic to you. When you stop caring about the likes, you stop worrying about the dislikes, you know? It's so it's such a great place to be, to not care one way or the other. Just be you and be secure in yourself. Be secure that you're putting out stuff that's what you feels right to you. That's not playing to a certain crowd. You know, giving is only giving if it's done freely. When we give or, you know, drop something in with the expectation of eliciting a response from somebody else, that's manipulation. So Authentic content, stop caring about likes. You'll be amazed how quickly you stop caring about any sort of hate or backlash or, you know, people who make fun of you, whatever, like, peace out. And then we can get back to the fact that only people who, the only kind of person who has something negative to consume somebody's content and then has something negative to say, somebody who um, is, is deeply insecure and unhappy in themselves. So, um, compassion to them, empathy to them, and um, gratitude if you're not in the same negative space. Okay. Don't be afraid to start over. You know, I'm starting as a beginner at 40 at my hobby that I love. Um, you know, I'm out there with a lot of people who are way more experienced than I am. They crush me on the, um, oh, a lot of them do, not all of them, <laughs> um, you know, on the track. And I'm, I'm a beginner. I know. Like, this time's going to pass anyway. I want to pursue things that I'm passionate about. I'm not afraid of changing my mind. We could spend a whole 20. I mean, I've been on here. Thanks for hanging with me for this long. If you're still here, um, you do a whole thing about things I've changed my mind on or directions I've shifted. 
Don't stay doing something that you do, doesn't set your soul on fire. It's okay to change your mind. Um, fear is a liar. Okay. Fear-based decisions, unless it's like personal safety, preservation, like I, you know, not going base jumping, like it generally in life, fear-based decisions are not the right decisions. Faith-based decisions. I'm not talking about religious faith here, though. If that's your gig, then awesome. I'm talking about faith in yourself. Like decisions based on faith in yourself are the right decisions. That's where that certainty before success comes in too. But faith-based decisions over fear-based decisions. I don't know what people are going to think if I do this. I don't know if I have enough time. I don't know if I have enough money. I don't know if, you know, if um, Aunt Sally is going to start, you know, mocking me over Christmas or whatever. Like, faith-based decisions over fear-based decisions. Fear is a liar. Um, this is one that's really important to me. I wish I had probably led with this one because this is the number one to me in terms of a feeling of, um, tremendous satisfaction in life. Um, that the people, um, who have let you down, um, aren't necessarily who you wanted them to be, but they are who you needed them to be in order to learn an important lesson in your life that's going to be a gift to you if you choose to look for it, find it, and receive it. Um, I've talked previously about growing up with a father who is an alcoholic and an addict, and um, without spending too much time delving down that that road, um, I realize now at this point in my life what a tremendous gift it was. He wasn't the dad that I wanted, but he was a dad that I needed to find my way to who I am now, um, to have this insatiable drive to help other people, to have the grit and resilience that came from kind of having to take care of myself a little bit as a kid. Um, and, um, to have deep compassion for other people from having that first un- firsthand experience, knowing that good, really, really wonderful, good people lose their way. And, um, and, it's it's not something wrong with them. They're they're replaying an, an unhealthy pattern, and they deserve our compassion. So it's helped me tremendously, and I'm 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 grateful for that gift that came with something that was packaged in a way that didn't feel so so pleasant at the time when I was a child. Um, and that feeds into the next one, which is equally important to me: use a trauma challenge negative experience, something that has happened to your, in your life that you perceive has, you know, been deeply painful to help somebody else. Okay. This is, you will be amazed. I mean, it's an act of selflessness that requires us to get vulnerable and to be willing to talk openly But if you don't take that negative, what you perceive to be negative experience to help someone else, you're missing out on one of the most key parts of life. And that's like the the secret of this whole thing is about giving to others and being service to others with kindness and love and compassion and gratitude. So for, for me, being able to mentor other young women who had a parent who was an alcoholic or an addict or absent, maybe they grew up without a dad or a mom, 
um, being able to communicate and, 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 and give them sort of the keys to that perspective that I have now that I wish I had sooner, um, is deeply rewarding to me. I know I'm helping somebody else, but it is profoundly healing for me on in an ongoing way. So if you are not, I mean, I really can't underscore this enough. Those, whatever stuff that you feel like you've been through that's traumatic and painful, the really hard shit that's awful and terrible, and maybe some of it is beyond what you, you know, like could, could possibly fathom that's unfair, the unjust stuff that's happened, that's an action signal for that you are being trained to help somebody else. So please don't squander that opportunity to be that resource for somebody else who could really, really could change a life. Okay. You could change the trajectory of somebody's life by just even by sharing your experience. Um, all right. We're closing in on the end here. Um, you create more of what you focus on. You know, we have, there's a lot going on in the world right now that sucks. Um, I choose, this is, I choose to focus on the beauty in people and celebrate that. Um, you know, we, we will create more in our lives of whatever we choose to focus on, like a lens. Like we're looking at a picture and the picture has like some beautiful stuff, but it's also got some like kind of icky stuff or mistakes or whatever. Like, will we can find more flaws if we zoom in on the flaws and then we're kind of wiring our brain to look for flaws and negative stuff. And that's how we repeat a pattern of just like victim negative, bleh, not, not a good space. That's the, that is where it gets really, really hard to do all of this other stuff I've been talking about when your brain is just stuck in that negative focus on problems and negativity, negativity space. When you focus on what there is to be grateful for, when you focus on what there is to be that's beautiful in life, then you're wiring your brain to notice more of it. And it doesn't mean problems go away. But what it does mean is that we're better able to manage tough times with grace. You know, and in a way where we feel a lot better, it just feels better. And that is going to, we're going into number 20 and going to close it out with my daily practice of meditating for, for five or 10 minutes on three things that I'm deeply grateful for. This is a game changer. It's the number one biggest, most impactful thing that I have done in my life to take my life to a whole other level is to start every single day of my life with a focus on three things that I have to be grateful for. And sometimes it's very mundane. Sometimes like it's, it's like I freaking, I have two arms and two legs. That's phenomenal. That is a huge, I'm, I'm, you know, we have to get really, really intentional about recognizing how fortunate we all are and how much we have to be profoundly and deeply grateful for. And when you get, when you start your day wiring your brain to get into this space, science has shown your brain chemistry changes and we become better able to navigate challenges. We become more resourceful. We are, have a greater personal satisfaction in our lives or happier. I tell people all the time, it's like exercising your happiness muscle. 
focusing on gratitude every morning when you wake up. It's like exercising your happiness muscle. It's the most important exercise you'll do, I believe. So that daily practice, I had challenged my law students to do over the holiday break in November. And um, I am constantly inviting others to, to join me in adopting this practice because it really is kind of the unlock on literally all 19 other things that we just talked about. So um, that's all I've got for you. And I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Now that the Formula One season is over, I can get back to being a better Saints fan. Who dat? Um, and I hope that uh, the rest of your December is phenomenal. You'll be hearing from me again before the, the Christmas and Hanukkah holiday. But much love and gratitude to all of you. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today, everyone. Don't forget to share it because you never know who might need to hear even one of these messages. This is a collection of lessons that have been game changers for me, which is why I wanted to share them with all of you. So don't forget to share and don't forget to communicate with me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Nola Vegan Diva. You can also find me, I'm Carney Ann Nasser, on LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or ideas for what has worked for you in your daily practice, in your philosophy, in your rituals that you incorporate into your life that contribute to your greater happiness and fulfillment. I would love to hear them. In the meantime, until we meet again, I'm wishing everybody happy holidays and health to you and your families. Much gratitude and appreciation for all of you. Thanks so much.